verse uh, from 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 18, where Peter encourages us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if I was to ask you, as I ask myself the question, are we growing in Christ? I wonder what your reply would be. And that question itself might evoke different feelings from encouragement. Yes, we feel that we are growing in Christ, whether we're new to faith or whether we've been following Jesus for a very long time. We're discovering more and more about our great and glorious God. For others, though, it might just give us a little twinge of of guilt because we know we've not growing as we would want to. For others, it may be disappointment. We've tried that before. We've cried out to God, but our Christian life may just seem as if it's stalled and sometimes we feel that we're running on empty and the well is dry. Or maybe there's just that longing when you hear that question, are we growing in Christ? Yeah, I just want to grow. I want to know him more and more. Deeply desiring to grow. Or it may be a mixture of all of those, depending on how you get up in the morning. But none of us would question that we need to grow. So the question isn't whether we should grow, but how do we grow? Is it about head knowledge? Is it about, you know, intellectual addition, knowing more stuff? Is it about being better, about our behavior, about the way that we live, trying harder? Or is it about experience? If only the Holy Spirit would just zap me and deal with that. And none of these things are bad. They're all good. But real growth is different. I think what Peter means by growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus is is to do with deepening. And the encouraging thing about deepening in your faith is that you have everything necessary already to deepen your faith. We have everything we need to grow. And we know that it all begins with Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Do we actually know who he is? Which might seem a really silly question. Philip, why are you asking the church if they know who Jesus is? Of course we know who Jesus is. We're only here in this building because of Jesus. We've been rescued by him, saved by him from the dead. We've been brought to life by Jesus. We read about him in the Bible. We've told others about him. We know Jesus. And we do. But have we downsized him in our understanding sometimes? Have we treated what is spiritually nuclear as a double-A battery. Paul would say, as he does to the Colossians, he would say to us that we 
always need a bigger vision of Jesus. We need to be blown away again by just who he is. So I want to read from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, in both uh, the NIV version and the message version. Paul writes, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Wow! Eugene Peterson puts it like this. We look at this son and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and we see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. And not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Wow. This is our Jesus. Our understanding of God is made possible because of Jesus. Our very relationship with God is made possible because of Jesus. I did not know I had an Abba Father until Jesus told me I did. And Jesus, with the Father, sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to be in us. God at his closest to us. Jesus is being sidelined in our society. We know that. I'm encountering people now, even on an Alpha course, who don't even know that Jesus is a real person, a historical figure who walked on this earth just over 2,000 years ago. Jesus is not just that historical figure, though, but he is an actual person who is alive and well today, and we can know him. And we are known by him. He is to be related to, trusted, spoken to, listened to, loved. Jesus is not a concept or an ideal or a force, but a person. Therefore, growing in Christ is relational. Always has been. As Paul came to understand that our limited knowledge of Jesus is just that tip of the iceberg. There is so much more of Jesus. 
There are wondrous depths to our Savior that we have not yet fathomed. Realities about him still waiting our discovery. And one day we will see him as he is. Just an illustration, when Christopher Columbus, that great explorer, reached the Caribbean in 1492, he thought, he thought he had reached what the Europeans had referred to as the Indies, meaning China and, and India and, and Japan. And in fact, he named the natives as he reached those islands as Indians. And we call them West Indians. But beyond him, you see, he was nowhere close to the Indies. If you look on a map, he was nowhere close. He was way off. And there were vast stretches of sea and land yet to be explored and uncharted lands of which Columbus knew nothing. He assumed the world was smaller than it really was. And sometimes we can make this similar mistake with Jesus. So let's explore just one thing about Jesus that may be underexplored as we seek to go deeper. Jesus as the ruler of the universe. He is the one who exercises supreme authority over the entire universe. Just before he ascended back to heaven, he said this, all authority, in Matthew 28 verse 18, all authority. Did you hear that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's not hoping to be in charge one day. When he returns in glory and his majesty, and we see him as he is. No, he rules supremely now. The world's attempt at sidelining Jesus of his authority doesn't alter the fact of his authority. <laughs> despite what the world may think or say, despite what it may seem to us in this lost and broken world right now, when we look upon it, sometimes in despair, and we want to say, stop the world. We just want to get off. Despite all the deception and destruction of the enemy that is still at work, from heaven's perspective, everything is just as it should be. Jesus is on the throne. The Lamb has won. We've read the book. He wins. He has won. Sin and death are defeated. Jesus is overseeing everything, it says in that passage from Paul, from world history and the whole of creation to the very church that bears his name. And our perception is only our perception only. We're a bit like Columbus. There is so much more we haven't discovered. We've only reached so far, seen so far. Those of you who know me love the pictures, one from the Hubble telescope um, that used to come. But now uh, we have even more amazing pictures from the James West Telescope, seeing further than we've ever seen before. And I love hearing the people explain what we're seeing, you know, however billion, million years ago. And, and isn't it amazing? And seeing, you know, stars formed and all those things. 
and I just smile every time I watch it because it's so glorious. And know that Jesus was there before any of it existed. And in fact, he spoke it all into being. And the remarkable thing about all of those things that we see, the billions and billions of universes, I mean, we can't get our heads around it, can we? And then we come in from the macro to the micro, and we come back in and come back in, the power of 10, if you've ever seen it, it's amazing. And it comes back in and comes back in and comes to this tiny blue dot in our solar system where God chose to create in his own image men and women for him to love and for them to have relationship with him. Paul reminds us that Jesus' actual rule holds firm. Nothing escapes his notice. All the heartbreaking things that happen on this tiny blue dot called earth particularly the rebellion of mankind, turning away from him and his love. But nothing is outside of his knowledge. From that macro to the micro, no political scandal unfolds without him knowing. No injustice can be enacted without him knowing. Whatever happens, he knows about it all. And those that I meet on Alpha say, well, why doesn't he do something about it then? And I say, he has. He's done the most amazing thing that you could ever think of and imagine. He has become one of us to rescue. And he has begun a new creation. When all the world's leaders gather together, whatever format, whether it's the G7 or the G20, they themselves are held in the hand of the risen Galilean carpenter. The great G1. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Took me ages thinking about that. <laughs> who has come. So the one who spoke all of that into being has come to this tiny blue dot himself in person as Jesus. And he has begun a new creation, making all things new, which includes us and everyone who believes in him. And this supreme reign holds true, not only for the universe, but also for our own lives as well. If God who created all that and holds the whole world in his hands and the universe in his hands and he holds you in his hands, he is able to see you through to the end. And know this, he has promised he will love you to the end. He will not let you go. He will love you to the end. And nothing that we experience is hidden from him. He knows the motives of our hearts and he still loves us. And we may not see him yet with our eyes, but one day we will. And he is the most real thing in the universe. And as Paul reminds the believers in Colossae who Jesus is, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of God who is there but we cannot see. We may be aware of his presence. Many people, many religions, many systems of philosophy admitted to this thing. 
There is something or someone more. There is something or someone out there to which we say, yes, and he's here, and his name is Jesus. And in Jesus, we find ourselves looking at the true God himself. Next, Paul says that Jesus holds together the old world and the new one. The old creation and the new creation simultaneously. And he is the one through whom and for whom creation is made. In him, all things hold together. That means if you take Jesus out, everything falls apart. We see it. Yet he is the one who sustains the universe, whose supreme rule we bow the knee in either this life or on that day when everyone will bow the knee. The one we confess with our lips and our tongues this morning, one day every lip, every tongue will confess. And Paul writes to the Colossians so that they may grow as Christians, increasing in their wisdom and knowledge of Jesus. As Peter writes, that grace and knowledge, the key is the centrality and the supremacy of Jesus. And even the church is now being challenged to sideline Jesus. To talk about faith. To be a person of faith. No, we're people who love and worship Jesus who is God in the flesh. And when the lavish beauty of this world, because there is so much beauty in our world, just this tiny blue dot, when it makes you catch your breath, remember it's because of Jesus. And when we're saddened by man's sinfulness and the rebellion of this world and the brokenness that we see, remember, Jesus is the one who came to redeem it. And he has begun that new creation already. And one day soon, he will return. And he is the head of the body, the church. The firstborn from among the dead. That promise of the resurrection. Death is not the end, it's been defeated. In Revelation 1, the Apostle John tries to put in the words the indescribable vision of Jesus that he has, the Jesus that he knew, the Galilean preacher, the carpenter from Nazareth, the one he had walked with, talked with, the one he had seen die on a Roman cross, the one he had met alive after death, he describes Jesus as this. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. And his feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. 
I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now, look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Wow. Have we made what is spiritually nuclear a double-A battery? This is my Jesus. No, this is my Jesus. The one who loved me enough to die for me, yes, but he is the creator of all things. He holds the universe in his hand. He is coming again for you and for me and a new creation. Is it just the two tiny blue dot he's going to recreate, or is he going to recreate the whole universe? I don't know. But I know he's coming back to this blue dot, and it will be remade, and we will live with him for eternity. And maybe we lack an appropriate, an appropriate fear of God. Not an inappropriate fear of God. God doesn't want you to fear him, cowering. He's your Abba Father. He loves you. But an appropriate fear and wonder of who he is. The real Lord Jesus who will one day silence the raging of the nations by just speaking. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, and the earth melts. Jesus rules, and he saves. He loves us. It's why he came. He holds the universe, and he holds us. He is able to save completely. We have been acquitted, set free. No accusation against us will stand. We belong to Jesus. And the more we look at Jesus, the more we realize That the true God, creator of all things, is a God of utter self-giving love. And in making a world that he could enter himself, men and women in his own image. Of course, he made the world with the possibility that there would be rebellion. Otherwise, it would not have been love. Free will is always a risk with God. But such rebellion does not perplex him or confound his purposes, but actually invokes the quality above all others of which he has no lack, which is love. His generous self-giving love which he expressed on the cross, he came to defeat sin on the very territory it's made its own. He conquered And conquered death. And there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God. Yes, counterclaimed by the enemy. But the enemy has been defeated. Perhaps we need just a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. In those days when we think we're not growing. Or in those days when we have a longing to grow more as Christians, I would just encourage us, just have another look at Jesus. Who he is and what he has done. And our task, it's 
Our first thing of our vision statement, our mission statement, is to proclaim this Jesus to the world today. Not some watered-down Jesus to the world today. This Jesus. So let's go deeper. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every breath you take, you owe to him. So let's use our breath and let's worship him and declare who he is this morning. Amen. Amen. Henry, would you lead us?